Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yeah! Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech executive producer of social media here at the iq and you know what today on the podcast we're going to talk about a question that we get every so often you know a lot of times we talk about if you put out a video and it's not performing and it's quote-unquote dead is there a way to revive said dead video we're going to talk about that on the podcast today but we're going to take it a little bit deeper than that Because the next logical question in this line of questioning is if my channel is dying or if my channel is dead, how do I go about reviving my dead channel? So that is going to be what we talk about on the podcast today with our good friend, friend of vidIQ, Desiree Martinez, will be joining me here shortly to talk all things reviving content and channels and such. Obviously, you all have heard me talk to you all on the live stream before about having multiple titles and thumbnails for every video that you upload so you can swap them out if need be. But again, what could you do as a creator if your channel is on a decline? How do you go about getting your channel back into the good graces of YouTube? So... This is such an important topic that it is time to bring Desiree in. So let's roll to the podcast. Welcome back to Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. And this week's guest is no stranger to the podcast. We have digital marketing agent extraordinaire, social media expert creator, Desiree Martinez is back in the building. Hey, Desiree, how you doing? What's up? I'm excited to be here as always. Anytime I get to spend with you, V, is this a good week? It's not a good day. It's like a week. So. Oh, I, I appreciate you. And I thank you for making the time as always. Yes. So what has been going on? I mean, I, we didn't talk too long ago. So a few months or whatever. It seems like it hasn't been that long. But what's going on in your world? What's happening over there in Desiree's world? You know, it's just, I feel like it's like, it's going slow, going fast at the same time. Like, you know, we were in winter and it was cold and long and lasted forever. And now it's nice and it's beautiful. And, you know, the mom life's taking over. We're getting ready for summer and vacations and still running the biz and doing the stuff, like trying to figure out how to correct issues in my tube and, and my brand and my business. So it's just, it's, it's a journey. Every day is about showing up, creating and making sure that it's very purposeful and intentional. So let's talk a little bit more about that. You just mentioned the mom life and being a mom and trying to schedule your your day around being a mom. Obviously, you work from home and different things like that. So you are always in mom mode. So I'm pretty sure there are a lot of moms out there who either have YouTube channels or they are thinking about starting a YouTube channel, but maybe they're hesitant because of their mom duty. So how do you work all of that into your schedule and still do what you do being a mom? I think that, and this isn't exclusive to mothers. This is a parenting thing. Like being able to have a YouTube channel. And if you build it right around the idea of using this as a way 
as a funnel for your business. It's not like not your whole identity. Like that I think is like the big differentiator. It's going to be really important for you to have the right plan in place so that you can be effective. But when it comes to like your family, it's figuring out, okay, what does my time look like? How much time can I commit to it? What do I need to outsource to make this happen? And what is the conversation with my family around like what this looks like? When I got into YouTube back in August of 2017, it was very intentional. I needed to have a way to get leads to my marketing agency because we had moved to Korea and I didn't have a way to do in-person stuff anymore, like go to networking events, talk to people on the phone, like go to conferences, do that kind of stuff. And so YouTube became like the way that I would educate people by solving like search-based problems and kind of guide them through the process and showing them like, hey, this lady knows what she's talking about. We should just hire her to do that rather than trying to figure out how to do it ourselves. And One of the things I knew at the time, my kids were three and my daughter was like 22 months old. So she was about to turn two. And I was like, in order for me to do this, I had to look at like what would stop me from completing this process. And for me, it was editing. I went to college actually where I learned about editing and video and photography and animation and all that stuff. And I knew that it would be time consuming. I knew that I would go into perfectionist mode. And I was like, I need to just remove this bottleneck in the process to make sure that this happened. So I actually went to Fiverr and I hired like a college kid or whatever to like edit my videos for me. And we worked together for a while before I pivoted to actually Alan Spicer, uh, another friend of the vidIQ fam, because he wanted to figure out what being like a YouTube manager like would look like and what the tasks would be. And so he's like, can I do this for you? And you can charge me a little bit more. I'm going to charge you a little bit more than what you're paying, but you get this value. I'm like, yeah, 100%. It's one of those things I got to do. So I've always had an editor in my YouTube career, and I'm coming into five and a half years with it when we're recording it. And so it's always a bottleneck for me. Like I refuse refuse to do it. I'm like, no, I don't even want to learn how this all works because it's an unnecessary skill for my process. I just have to make sure that it gets done. And so as a parent, when you have 8,000 things to do, all the logistics of things to do, you know, the paperwork of parenting, the calendar planning, the meal planning, the timekeeping, the activities, the driving places, the doing your job, running your business, all that stuff. It's removing the obstacles to allow you to get to what you want, even if it involves parting with money to help you make that happen. That is a very interesting uh point of view that you have there that you don't even want to learn how to edit. You're like, I want no part of that. I'm going to outsource it and do what I do. (laughs) No. If I learn how to do it, then I'll be like, I can just do that. And then it takes away my time. It takes away my income producing activities. When I look at how much I pay, I have, I work with VidPros. Like VidPros is the company that edits my YouTube videos. They're the best. They're fast. They do a great job. I know from when the time I send them a video to the time I get it back, it's like two days and I can have like a completed YouTube video because we work together to establish a style of what we're looking for and they know my expectations on timelines. And so we get it done so I can send them a batch of videos and it gets taken care of. And if I'm ever like in a position where I'm like, I need to readjust my budget or I want to try something. No, I, I pay VidPros like it, it's like only like six, seven hundred bucks a month. And I'm producing two videos a week. 
The time I would spend editing, that's time I could be using to do lead calls. It's time I could be using to develop new digital products and doing new strategies for my business. That's time I could be spending with my family. So it's kind of like that is a worth it cost to me. And so, and it always has been because I understand the necessity and priority of investing in myself for the greater gain. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So do you ever feel like, even with your ability to outsource the task of your business, do you ever feel like there are times in your journey where you're not spending enough time with your family? And if you do have those times, like how do you go about working that out? So my husband has PTSD and anxiety, and I have high energy, lovey-dovey, snuggly kids. They will tell you, mommy works too much. And I'm like, I'm literally, I take you to school. I go to work. I'm done at like 4, 4.30 when you come home. Like I give you that time and that commitment to myself. And even if I am doing things like on my phone, I'm still present and attentive for them. It took me time to get there though. I've had my business, not my YouTube channel, my business for over 14 years. And like I started this when like my husband was my boyfriend, right? And like he's gotten promoted obviously along the way. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just kind of one of those things. And then the kids are added in. When you're diving into it, like right now, you're like, I have a three and a five-year-old, or I have a two and four-year-old or whatever. And it's literally, you have to start with one thing. What is one thing that you can do that you can get really good at to help you on whatever your business journey is? And that one thing needs to be figuring out like a business plan. And it's asking yourself like a series of questions, which is like, what do I want to sell? Who do I want to sell it to? Who's going to buy from me? How much money do they make? Where do they spend their time online? And then by knowing where they spend time online, okay, what do I create in that space? To like really having that outline. And then it's looking at how long do these things take me and figuring out like where in my calendar can I do these things? And once you kind of have that understanding, you can say yes or no to things. And then you can go to the next thing. The second step is like, okay, now I got to start. I create my thing that I sell. So many people start like in YouTube, like I'm going to make a YouTube video. I'm going to launch a brand of business. No, you're not. You're going to build a business of foundation. So you're not wasting your time because you want to build a business that the internet and YouTube and stuff supports, not the other way around. And you just really, you build on all these things. When I got started, my mom handed me the newspaper. This is how long ago it was. She handed me the newspaper. I was like, hey, there's this new website out there called networkingphoenix.com. I lived in Phoenix at the time. I said, you should go to this calendar of events and find the free ones to go to and go network with people and see if any of them need graphic design work. And I was like, okay. I was living at home, post-recession life, like trying to like college, post-recession college graduate life. So that's what I did. My job was to go to free networking events that were not too far away and find freelance work. And it turning into all of these adults asking me, what is Facebook? Because this was 2009. And then ultimately being like, I'm going to do this for my business because I can integrate graphic design and social media marketing, which wasn't what it was called at the time. It was Facebook. And make that work. And then I was like, okay, now that I'm doing this, I have to do, like, it, you escalate with what you're going to do to find people, to get customers, to make the things, do the stuff. Same with YouTube. How do I do YouTube? And I already talked about that. Like it's just really that system of figuring out what works, but you build it. You don't just see my day 100 and your day zero and say, well, I got to do what Des is doing. Like that's not how that works. Yeah. I recently talked about on our podcast about how when creators upload their first YouTube video, they have effectively become a business owner 
But a lot of creators don't think about it like that because they just think about it in the terms of, oh, I'm making videos. I'm just uploading videos to YouTube. But no, 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 no. When you upload that first video and that second and that third, you are now a business owner because even if your objective is not to make money, your objective is trying to grow a channel. In effect, you're trying to grow your YouTube business. So I like the way you uh, frame that. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very like, show me the money. Like, Jerry Maguire this. Like, <laughs> show me the money. Like, because I'm intentional with my time. And I have to remember, I'm a breadwinner. Like, I, that if we're going to eat and pay the mortgage, Desiree has to do the working. And so, like, for me, it's like, is this taking away from the IPAs? I learned this from Sean Cannell, the IPAs, income-producing activities. And I was like, is this income-producing activity? And then I asked myself the question, like, is this something I have to do or is it something that I can hire out to do? And then ask myself the question, if it's a yes, I can hire this out to do, it's followed up with the question of, like, how much money is that going to cost me? And what would I do in that time to make that income-producing activity, right? So there are some things I have to do. There are other things I hire out to do. And it's necessary for me. No, and that definitely makes sense, especially as a parent with all the things that you have on your plate. If you can hire out to do stuff and get that time back, then why wouldn't you? Right, exactly. Like to make this a little bit more, I think, relatable. I don't know, since this is a podcast where creators like editing makes sense. I think about it from like a parenting space. What is the one chore Viper in your life that you hate doing? <laughs> Probably anything to do with cleaning. <laughs> like for me, it'd be dishes. I hate doing my dishes. And, and it's like, do I hate it so much I don't do it? Yes. Do I hate it so much that like I will just like eat on Tupperware lids because that's the only dish that's clean in my house? Yes, I will. But I'm like, I don't want to do this activity because it's time consuming and, I, and I'm bored and I can't do anything. Even if it is listening, I know I can listen to podcasts and stuff. And I was like, this is something though that stresses me out and makes everyone really frustrated. How much would it cost me to have someone come to my house Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at like from nine to 10 to do my dishes? Like maybe for those of you listening, maybe it's laundry. Maybe it's cleaning your bathrooms. Maybe it's doing a weekly like dusting bathroom vacuum job. Like those are things that like there's something to be said for personal happiness and not having to, to do something. And I think that it's really putting that value on it. And if it's something you want and you can't afford right now, what can you create? What business thing can you do to pay for that? Definitely. Look, as YouTube creators ourselves, we've all been there. Sometimes the next video on your weekly upload schedule is right around the corner, but you have no idea what you're going to record. Well, this exact situation is why vidIQ developed Daily Ideas. It's our newest tool that can help provide you with up to 50 new video ideas every single day. Your daily ideas are generated by our AI, which analyzes your channel and the wider YouTube community to find trending topics with high view potential. With this new tool, you'll never run out of great ideas for new videos. You can try daily ideas for yourself today by downloading vidIQ at vidIQ.com. So, on along the lines of YouTube, I think one of the things that uh, we wanted to discuss today is channels and if your channel is dying or dead how do you go about reviving a dead channel but i want to start with a simpler concept videos because a lot of time creators want to know what can they do to possibly revive a video that's not doing very well maybe it's been out for maybe a week or a month or whatever and it's just not getting any traction so desiree what advice would you have for creators to revive a dead video uh, I think the best thing that you can do is like foundation. Obviously, you can't change the video. Like you might be able to take things out. And so maybe it's a matter of watching the video. Like maybe you have a long introduction. Like you could go look at your analytics on the back end 
and see your retention graph and that they show you on the video when you get your most drop off. Look at that beginning section and look at why or where and maybe remove something. Like I know for me, I had when I've had this issue in the past, it was because like I was introing myself too long or doing it often for too long. And so I'm like, I got to remove that. And that helps with retention stuff. But you can't add videos. You can't like re-edit or make it more interesting or add music. What you can do, and this is foundation work, guys. This is what we talk about all the time at vidIQ, on the pod, on the weekly live streams, everything. It's title, thumbnail, subscription. You got to go back to fundamentals. You got to look at like, okay, this video is about this. Let me go research. Let me go spend time on the tube on Google. And look, what are the images that are being created related to my keyword, related to my title, related to like what the video is about and see what I can do better to hold attention and then match it with the right title that's keyword driven, but really like captivating. So like if I was to look at my YouTube channel, so my, my channel, I'm moving more into video marketing as like my focus for my channel. I need to start talking about video. I need to be making titles that get people's attention and that are relevant to what I do. So like I have a video, how I'm planning to get my next thousand subscribers on YouTube. I could have a video about how to get a thousand subscribers on YouTube, but everyone's done that. Even vidIQ has done that. And, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, well, how am I going to do it? Like, that's what I want to talk about because how my channel functions and how like the vidIQ channel functions or how Meredith Marth's channel functions or Sean Cannell's channel functions is very, very different. And so it's like, what am I doing? Because what is my channel about? How am I going on this journey? And how is what I'm doing going to be different than what other people do? Like that's what they're coming for. And that has done really solid for my channel. Another one would be like, no one's liking your post question mark exclamation point with like a crying emoji. Here's what to do. And then on my face, the thumbnail just has me looking like shocked and like scared saying, what's wrong with me? And it's really that idea of like, when no one engages with your content online, you instantly think, what's wrong with me? Why, why didn't this hit? Why didn't this work? And it is, am I not interesting? People not like me? Like, what did I do wrong? It could be simple stuff, like maybe post at the wrong time, but it could be your thumbnail is terrible and it could be that your title isn't working or it could be that you are finding an algorithm because you're posting a link rather than a photo or a video. Like, so that's what that post is about. Like it it connects emotionally. When you're on that home feed of YouTube and you see a thumbnail that says, what's wrong with me? You're going to be like, I don't know what's wrong with them. I want to go find out what, what they're dealing with. And then you read the title to see like what it's related to. You're like, oh, that's something I'm interested in, something I deal with. Let's go see what this is about, right? So it's really asking yourself, what can I do visually to spark an emotional interest in somebody? And then how can I support that emotional interest with an intriguing title that's going to get people to click? And what's nice is if you use the vidIQ AI title generator, it will really help you get there. She snuck that plug in like a boss. I like it. I use that all but yeah, I love time. We we love it. We love it. And I love how you snuck in uh having that emotional tie-in with your titles and thumbnails. I talk about this a lot here on the podcast and in the lot in the live stream. It is so important because I think what a lot of creators tend to forget sometimes is that when you are making content, I should say when we are making content, 
we are making content for real, living, breathing human beings. A lot of times we like to talk about an algorithm or how the algorithm is going to uh, respond to our video. No, that's the wrong way to think. It's not about how the algorithm is going to respond. It's about how people are going to respond to your video, which is why we encourage the use of emotional context in your titles and your thumbnails. Like Desiree said, she just had a thumbnail on her video where she used a shock face or a depressed face, whatever the case may be, to relay that emotion to a potential viewer. Because psychologically in our brains, if we see somebody with a sad face, we want to know why their face is sad. So you are more likely to get somebody to click on your thumbnail if you have like a sad face or maybe a overly happy face. Because psychologically, we want to know why. We are a curious people. So if you can tap into that emotion, tap into that curiosity, you are more likely to get that click. So I love that you pointed that out. Yeah, 100%. Like I literally yesterday was just at a conference. It was all about realtors using video to build their brand. And what is so fascinating about being in that room with those experts, because I was speaking, I was talking about vertical video, the agenda of how they're using YouTube is search-based because their stuff is so longevity-driven. I asked the woman who put on the conference, like she's like, has built like an eight-figure real estate business in Savannah, Georgia with YouTube. She's like, has like these great sayings, like friends don't let friends cold call and SEO is my B-I-T-C-H, like it's a whole thing. And it's very much, I asked her, it was like, if you were to start a YouTube channel today for a real estate business, would you focus on search or would you focus on browse? Since that is what is driving YouTube views right now. She said, no, I would do search because I'm not looking to have 10,000 people subscribing to my channel with hundreds of thousands of views on my videos. I would be totally happy and find it to be a huge win if I had a hundred people that watched my video who turned into three potential clients that got to buy homes for me. So this is why the battle of views and attention versus building a business is so important. And this is something I'm having to rewire my brain because my channel is dying. And it's like, what is it that I'm doing wrong? What was it that was caused that's caused this to happen? And what does it look like in other ways? And like, how am I correcting it? Right. So it's really that you have to remember, like, we're not trying to, you might be trying to be Mr. Beast or Casey Neistat or Emma Chamberlain, like good for you. But you also might want to ask yourself, the rest of you might want to ask yourself is like, what is the business of being a creator that I'm building? And who do I want to attract? And what can I sell to them? So that that is the longevity that keeps me on YouTube. So I'm not chasing the silver play buttons. I'm not chasing, all right, I got a thousand subscribers this month. I need to get 1500 next. I got to get 10,000 next, like without chasing that. And rather I'm chasing dollars. I want 10 more sales next month. I want to book five more leads calls on to my business. I want to be able to build my email list to this so that I can go talk to this sponsor about this partnership. Right. So it's really reframing how we think about intentionality and who's watching our content on YouTube. Wow. That was just a compelling piece of articulation on your part about building a channel with business in mind. And I feel like that is so important because as creators, you have to know your why. You have to understand what your intentions are and then go about creating content that is intentional to meet your objective. Because like you said, if you're trying to build a business and make money on YouTube, 
chances are you don't care if the video gets 10,000 or 100,000 views. You are trying to get clients that are AdSense going to buy into your business, business and buy your AdSense products and services. AdSense is the but... J-O-B of YouTube. No. <laughs> and, and let me explain that to me. So a lot of you might listen, might have a job. This yeah, is where right. you work for someone else. You, make, you get a W-2 from that company. And the thing about having a job, while it might be fulfilling and it pays for your life, you are in zero control of whether you keep that job or not. And you are in zero control at how that company's run, what leadership is doing, any of that stuff. For all you know, your job, your boss is embezzling money and you're going to go to work tomorrow and it could be totally empty. That is AdSense to me when I think about it in YouTube says because it's so out of your control. AdSense in February took a nosedive for long form content because of their investment and obsession right now with short form content with YouTube shorts. And it sucks. And YouTube shorts is going to take a while to like get people interested, to get advertisers doing it. I don't think that we're really going to see the actual potential earnings within this until we get to the holiday season of this year, right? Because that's when people are right now are saving their ad spend. So I just, I don't know, like the point of being a YouTuber to me isn't just a creative outlet or a place to spread your voice. It's a place to build a brand and a business and be something. And I don't want a job. I don't want to be beholden to another person dictating where my income comes from. I already have to rely heavily on their algorithm and I have to rely on like them not doing something with the back end of YouTube to like completely F it up. But AdSense, I, when it comes to my money though, I don't want other people interfering with that. Isn't that the truth? I hope I could not agree more with that, with that sentiment. When you have a job, you are not in control of that job. And I know sometimes people that have nine to five look at creators as if we have such instability in our job, because like Desiree alluded to, sometimes we are at the mercy of AdSense if we have not built the foundation of our business correctly. The best creators, though, they don't care about AdSense because they have businesses that like tower AdSense. But the person that is, has the typical nine to five and doesn't understand how you can build a business from a YouTube channel, they're like, yeah, you got AdSense, but if that goes up and down, then where's your stability? But there's not that much stability in a nine to five because like Desiree says, you don't control that. If your boss wakes up one morning and then a bad move, they can fire you without cause. Like you don't know. Or maybe the business that you are working for tank for some reason or something bad happened to that business. Then you could potentially be out of a job. So the instability of a nine to five is very real. Okay. There's no guarantee. So if you want something of a guarantee, the best somewhat of a guarantee is to try to build your own business and have complete control over what happens. Or I should say have as much control as you could possibly have given what business you start. So I agree. The success and failure lie so much more on your shoulders when you're yeah. an entrepreneurship. And I've been an entrepreneur since before being a creator. Like I started my business in 2009. I didn't get into YouTube until 2017. So, I mean, it really does like how much I networked, how much I spent time educating, how much time I spent creating content, how much time I did press, how much time I invested in my business. You would see the direct reflection back onto how many clients I had, how much money we were making, like what our growth situation was like. And that's why I'm a huge advocate um, that you're your most important customer. And that's more like a marketing business mindset, but it's, it's just where it's at. Like you have to take care of yourself first. No one else is going to. 
Yes, I love it. Yes, you are the only one who is going to be passionate and care about what you're doing as much as you do. Like an employer is not going to care about you as much. You are basically a number. You are our employee to them. It doesn't go much further than that. Not saying that you can't work in companies and be in a position where you don't have value. You have some value, but I think by and large, especially if you are in the corporate sector, you are a number on a spreadsheet more often than not. So why put your destiny in the hands of somebody else when you can take control over your own destiny? I am feeling that. There's a great video that, oh, I forget, I'm terrible. His name is Matt. He used to be the like YouTube outreach coordinator for YouTube. And now he does, he does videos on YouTube about stuff. And he did a video recently about if it's time for you to hop onto YouTube podcasts. And his whole thing was like, should you do YouTube podcasts? Well, what about YouTube shorts? What about stories? What about the community tab? Like all of these features that are available within YouTube. And he made this excellent point. And he says, at the end of the day, YouTube is a platform. And their objective is to have as many people using that platform as possible so they're not spending time on other ones. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But doesn't mean me as a creator in my community means I have to do everything that the platform is doing. I can just keep doing what I know works and make just try and make the best content that I can that also follows the trend of the day. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because I repeated this many times when short really burst onto the scene, especially earlier this year when they became monetizable. I told creators, I'm like, listen, even though YouTube is heavily pushing shorts, that does not mean you have to become a short creator. If that's not your comfort zone, if it doesn't fit your content strategy, then do keep doing what you're doing. Just because they're heavily pushing shorts doesn't mean you have to become a short creator. I would still recommend that you dabble into it just to see what it could bring you because they are pushing shorts so heavily, but that does not mean you have to become a short creator, not by any means. Ultimately, as a creator, you have to do what's best for you and your audience. And if short is not that, then short is not that. Exactly. And it comes again, asking ourselves that initial question back in the beginning. Is this an income-producing activity I want to invest my time in? And is this going to keep me from something that I care about or that is income-producing activity? And if the answer is yes, don't do it. Ooh. IPA, y'all, remember if it's not IPA, it ain't for you, maybe, depending on what you're doing on the platform. No drinking. No drinking. <laughs> so now let's get the conversation up a little bit because we just talked about reviving a dead video. But now we can talk about reviving a dead channel because you said something that kind of called me, perk my ears up. You said your channel is dying. I, I'm sorry to hear that. So what are you doing to try to curtail that and, and get things back on the right track? So for context, let's lay some groundwork here. So my channel went viral in March of 2020 for StreamYard. So StreamYard is what we're using to record this. StreamYard for everyone in our industry is just like, you're either a StreamYard user, you're an Ecamm user. Like it's one or the other really. Even if there are other ones, that are, or what is the other one? Um, Restream, right? Right. When I blew up and I began viral streaming because I was the only person, the only person on YouTube that had tutorials on how to use StreamYard. StreamYard didn't have a tutorial on their YouTube channel on how to use StreamYard. And it's totally because the founders, Gage and Dan, are programmers. Like their job, like they're like, we build the tool. We don't really want to like market. And like, it's like, lean again, what are you good at? Lean into it and hire what you need. They didn't have any. So they didn't expect, there was no way anyone could have anticipated a global pandemic and everyone going and doing live streaming for forever. Like there was no way for them to know that. And so 
them and me partnered and I just started creating tutorial videos and solving problems. So I would get hundreds of thousands of views on videos about how to solve StreamYard problems, which is funny because it was, I got crap for affiliates. It was literally, these are existing StreamYard customers and they need to figure out how to do something on this tool, which is why I, they paid me. That's why we're in a paid partnership together because I'm solving their problems. So I went viral for that and I sat there for a hot minute. Well, if you fast forward to like July of 2021, I'm like, why are my videos like performing like crap? Like I don't understand. My new content isn't getting much watch time or attention, but all of these like how-to tutorials are like crushing it. And I ended up choosing to delete my top five performing videos because they were all videos about how to use like Facebook marketplace to make money. My business objective is to get leads to my business. People that want to know how to use Facebook marketplace do not want to know how to do business. They want to know how to sell things on an app so they can make some extra money like this because it's the new garage sale. And my strategy up until that point was very how-to driven because in that era of like 2018, 2019, even in the 2020, how-to content was gold mines, attention grabbing for the education space. And so it just wasn't working anymore. And I was like, I was just attracting the wrong people. And from that moment, my channel dropped. I went from making like 1600 bucks a month in ad revenue, which isn't, again, I'm talking about ad revenue, but it's the concept of like where that attention was to like 800 bucks in there of a month. Like a hat, it halved. And it went, I went from like 110,000 monthly views down to like 90 to 80, 75, you know? And so I also had made a mistake. And I think we had talked about this last time on the podcast about branding your YouTube channel personal versus business kind of a thing. And I also had chosen to rebrand the channel at that time um, away from myself and more focus on the business. And so in November of 2022, I rebranded it back to myself, but I'm still was just massively struggling with what's going on with my channel. And a lot of it was just a lot of details that matter, but that weren't doing well for growth. It was a lot of like, wasn't super catchy titles anymore. It was more corporate looking logos. So it was like to attract like marketers and stuff. And I'm like, I don't want those people. And I also had to have that hard conversation with myself, which was who do you want to talk to? Who do you want to buy from you? And who do you want in the comment section of your videos? And it's been months of work on this month. Like this was November. We're recording this in eight in May. So six months. We're going to for six months. Who do I want to talk to? And I finally figured it out. I want to talk to, like, if I talk about who my perfect customer is, my perfect customer is a woman in her mid to late 30s who's trying to figure out how to use video to market her brand or business so that she can add in more revenue options for her life, but she needs to have video working correctly for her. She needs to know what tools to use. She needs to know how to add business things to it. She needs to know how to schedule it, make it easy for her. And so I had to be like, okay, this is who I want to talk to. And I need to adjust that content. How do I make my content look like something that woman wants to watch and attract and comment on and buy? And so I've been having to spend this time and it is painstaking. There is nothing that makes a YouTuber cringe more 
than watching their channel just like do the downward slope. I feel like I'm like on the bunny slopes of YouTube, but there's one really important data point that is doing really great for my channel over the last 90 days as I've been making this pivot. And it's my impressions are up massively. In the last 28 days, I have my, my yeah. analytics up right now. I have had a 60% increase in impressions to my channel, which is showing me that I am making content that people now want to watch and are interested in me, Desiree, and my information, what I have, and that the topics are right. It's not just this how-to farm. It's just not this education space. And so the reason I'm watching this downward slope is because while YouTube still serves my old how-to content, it's also serving my new content that I want to be known for. So you can see that more people are watching that content in addition to the how-tos. But And so it's like every month, less people are watching how-tos and more people are watching this other content to rebuild the community. But it's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> Like it hurts my heart hard, but it's also just super necessary because if I'm not doing this hard journey now, I'm never going to be able to build the channel and attract who I want. I'm always going to be this like how-to girl that offers freebies that the people just essentially use and don't ever want to give me money or build community with me. You know, that takes an incredible amount of self-awareness for you to understand what is happening and be like, what am I doing wrong? And I feel like a lot of creators, they don't have that level of self-awareness, but we all need to because it's not always about what YouTube and the algorithm is doing. If you're not getting the results that you feel like you can, that you should be getting, at some point you have to self-reflect. What could you do better as a creator? Because ultimately, like Desiree said earlier in this podcast, the results that you get out are entirely up to you as a creator, as a YouTuber. So if you're not getting out the results that you feel like you should get out of your channel, chances are there's a 100% chance that it's something that you need to do better or fix. So if you can have that level of self-awareness to sit down, look at your analytics, figure out who your target audience is, because that's another thing that she said. She needed to find out who is she trying to talk to. And it's something that we talk about a lot at vidIQ, finding your target audience, because it is so important to know who your content is actually intended for so you can structure your content to reach those people. Cannot say that enough. Like, again, talking about my friend Karen, my friend Karen Carr, because of what she's done with real estate for her business, she has like built her team up and like there are a lot of people over there that are creating content for her business and like that are on her team and everything like that. But she also has been able to expand and become, she calls herself like the video boss for real estate and her videos, like her channel gets, you know, I think it's probably somewhere like less than 30,000 views a month. But that woman is making bank because she's so targeted and she knows exactly what she's doing and who she's talking to. She doesn't, she's got no desire. She probably thinks that she'll never get a silver play button. She's like, I don't need a silver play button to validate myself and my business because I have my McMansion and my 20 chickens and <laughs> I have these two businesses and I get to do what and how I want, live the life the way that I want and help other people along the way. And I'm like, yeah, a silver, like, a silver play button isn't going to, 
give you any. It's just a flex amongst other YouTubers. Yeah, literally. That's that's it. That is that is amazing. Yeah. Again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier when it comes to what your individual objective is as a creator. What do you want to do with YouTube? Are you just trying to build a following or are you actually trying to build a business because they both have very different paths and things that you have to do to be successful on either journey? So you have to figure that out early on as a creator so you can understand how to best move for your objective. The best way, if you're like really struggling with your channel, if you're like, I'm not growing, I'm plateauing or I'm, I'm seeing a drop. You really need to spend time, I think, doing a couple of things. Like the first one, honestly, is I would find other YouTubers to talk to. I've talked to coaches, Daniel Batal, Jessica Stansberry. You know, you have the calls that we do our VidIQs, the live streams every week where you can see what other people are doing and learn from them and build a group. I also have a mastermind, like a little YouTube creator mastermind that I, I'm a part of. And they all do different things. But we support each other and help each other answer questions. Like one of the girls is like a video producer. She'll like post up her thumbnails in our group and she'll be like, I just said something isn't clicking with it. And all of us will go in and give her feedback. And then when she posts it, it's like her one out of 10 because we helped her push her title and her thumbnail because sometimes you're just too close to it. There's nothing wrong with that. You just have to be ready to give feedback back and, and contribute in your own way. When you're too close to your project, it's hard. So having that outside perspective is so massively necessary. Yeah. Yeah, and this is one of the things that I usually tweet out on a weekly basis when it comes time for us to do our channel audit. Like Desiree said, we as creators, we are too close to what we do. So we can't have an objective eye when there are areas of improvement. So it always helps to have that outside pair of eyes that aren't as invested into what we're doing that we are because those outside fresh pair of eyes can see areas of improvement that we are too blind to see. Yeah, artists are notorious for never finishing things. I remember as I went to art school, I remember sitting in on like a talk that like a professional animator was doing. And he is like, never go see a movie with an animator or like go see their movie with them. Because all we do is watch the movies and we get to the parts of the movie that we worked on. We hate it. We're like, oh, I wish I had done this better. I wish I had done this instead. But everybody else in the audience is captivated, like, like eye locked, open with the big eyeballs, watching what they're doing. And it's because they're always working. You could work your content to death, you know? And so having the outside perspective is just so monumentally helpful so that you can push it to where it needs to go. You know, life is lonely enough. Like you don't need to do this by yourself. Like it might be creating for your own personal brand, but there's a community out there that can help you go. If you go to the live streams, you probably could find it in the comments of the vidIQ chats, or you could join the vidIQ max program. There's a whole bunch of people that are taking their YouTube lives super seriously and you guys could build accountability groups with them. I mean, you could just post on forums. Like you could go to the Colin and Samir Reddit and they probably have people that like are looking for accountability partners and people to talk with and work with. So find your people and like let them work together to build each other all up. Yeah, having that accountability partner or partners is very important. And I would recommend all the creators out there, if you're trying to do this full time, get a group of friends out here, get a group of creator friends that you can bounce ideas off of each other with. And uh, you can look at each other's content and give pointers and feedback. It helps immensely. It's a big deal. It does. It's so important. So I think the next thing that I, I couldn't recommend enough when you're trying to like rebuild your channel is, and, and I got this tip from Kristen Hills over at Six Sisters Stuff. 
Um, she just focuses on YouTube. She created like a dummy YouTube channel. Like just create like Desiree01 at gmail.com and go to YouTube. And just type in, like you start watching your videos and then let YouTube autoplay the next one. Search for the topics that you want to create content about or you're known for, like your top performing keywords and watch the videos that are at the top and then just let it kind of play. So what she does is she has it set and it just auto plays in the background like while she works. She's not actually watching or listening to it. But what she's doing is essentially creating a YouTube channel where everything that's suggested to her is an idea for her videos. Mm. So like when she opens up the home feed of that channel, that's photo channel, everything that's there is a potential video idea for her because it's so focused on what she's creating content about. She's like, well, this is the stuff that's coming up. So this is the stuff I need to be like, how can I tie that content into what I do with, you know, cooking for a family is what their channel is about. So study with your industry, just because you think something is relevant or new or important, it might not be on anyone's radar. Like when I go to my local networking group full of landscapers and contractors and kitchen restylists and stuff, they don't give a flying fart about chat GPT. <laughs> they don't care about, they're like, I don't want to do TikTok because that's where the Chinese are. And I don't want to deal with that whole mess. Like we're in this industry that's so techie and modern and ahead. And it's sometimes like, you got to like, look back, the vast majority of people are not even thinking or know what chat GPT is. There are people in the world that don't know who Mr. Beast is. Okay. So, I mean, it's okay to not like to your thoughts are not what everyone else maybe wants or needs. And that's what, like, that can be. So study what's popular and relevant in your industry so that you can make sure that what you're making is relevant and on pair with it. So you can piggyback off of what your competitors are doing, right? So we have the competitors tab in vidIQ so that we can track what they're doing so that we can piggyback off of their content, right? So it's that sort of cycle. And then I think the third thing that you need to do is just make sure you're spending really thoughtful time on your titles and your thumbnails. Might require updating old ones to help revitalize and rejuvenate this. One of the girls in my accountability group, her YouTube channel is about her interracial family of five. And I was just really asked. I was like, these, these thumbnails and titles are absolutely terrible. You need to fix this. <laughs> because she's like, I'm growing, I'm blowing up on shorts, but I'm not doing well with my long form content. And so after like we spent time together and she went and changed them, you can literally see like the views going up and the attention going up on them and her new videos are performing better by making those this small tweak to to make up. It's sometimes it's just an outdated style that isn't working anymore. Absolutely. Miss Desiree, it's been a pleasure as always having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for making time this week. It's always amazing to time with you too, Viper. And I hope that this is helpful for everyone listening. Absolutely. If you guys want to check out her content, all of her information will be in the show notes as usual. So definitely go check her out, especially if you're trying to build a business because she is, she is it when you're trying to figure out how to build a business as a creator. I appreciate you guys listening to this week's episode. You know your boy Viper will be back next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by VidIQ. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by VidIQ. Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.